Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Robert Jan Turn of Rabico. Robert Yan is a quantitative researcher in the fixed income space for Rabico. And in our conversation, we discuss the implications of how alternative data can be used to trade bonds. In this episode, I'm joined by Robert Yan at Hoon of Rubico. Thank you very much for joining today, Robert Yan. Thanks for having me, Mark. You're most welcome. So, Robert Yan, you are based out of the Netherlands um, with with Rubico. Perhaps before we start, we're going to today. We're going to talk about a very unusual, in my experience, use case for alternative data, which is alternative data within um, fixed income and in in, in bonds. Um, so, very much looking forward to that. Why don't we begin by perhaps you could just introduce Rubico for those who who don't know it. Uh, kind of, you know. What, what, what is Rubico? What's it all about? Yeah, sure. Um, so Rubico is indeed a Dutch, uh, or a, originally a Dutch uh, asset manager founded in 1929 already, and uh, has always had a really research-driven uh, focus. Wow. Founded in, founded in 1929 when the world was falling apart. Or was it just before the world fell apart, fell apart perhaps? No, it was actually uh, just before. So the first uh, portfolios didn't have that great track record for the first <laughs> couple of years. Uh, and it survived. It showed there was some great merit in there. Yeah, they survived. And of course, through, uh, through downturns, you learn uh, the most, they sometimes say. So um, there's, yeah, they're still here. And uh yeah, they're basically uh, a couple of main focus points uh, nowadays uh, with sustainability being a, a major one. So Rubico has been uh, active in this space already for a long time, uh, with also a sister. I interrupted. What, what? How would you describe Rubico as an institution? What is it? It's a, a pure uh, asset manager that focuses on both uh, equity and fundamental from both a fundamental and quant perspective. So Rubico... Uh, has a quite long uh, quant history array. So I'm of course also in the quant space and uh, end of last year during the some Christmas uh, pop quiz, I learned actually that the first uh, quant model was alive, uh, running live before I was actually born. So, uh, and it was a, a model in the fixed income market to predict uh, rates. Um, yeah, so within quant, there are uh, many different uh, sub, uh, yeah, sub-focus areas, and one of them is uh, the corporate bonds where I'm, uh, yeah. So, okay, brilliant. So um, you're working for Rubico at Rotterdam. So what do you do with alternative data in your day job? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, generally, uh, uh, alternative data is used to not only predict uh, returns, but also risk. So uh, both sides... Uh, equation and in the end to uh, improve or yeah get better alpha so it's basically the same as in the stock market uh, but then applied to the corporate bond market so are you trying to predict uh 
bond prices using alternative data? Is it as simple as that? Yeah, almost. So um, in the stock market, we generally look at the uh, stock price and then a derivative is, of course, a stock return. In the corporate bond market, we have uh, what's called the credit spread, which is kind of the premium you have to pay over a, a risk-free uh, yeah, investment. And that's generally what we look at. And then from these credit spreads, you can also calculate returns. And then you're back at the same uh, variable that we that people look at in the equity market. So how are you using alternative data to do that? Yeah, so um, we using traditional data, so more balance sheet and uh, 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 yeah, market market uh, technical uh, uh, variables. We uh, yeah we already use, uh, used to use them for predicting these uh, corporate bonds returns. But of course, um, yeah, we cannot explain all returns. There's, al there's always a part left that can be better explained. And we believe that yeah, part of that, uh, that return that is still unexplained can be uh, better explained using uh, alternative data. And uh, yeah, we believe that this is ex exactly the same as in the stock market. So uh, data sets that are interesting for uh, stock prediction can also be interesting for corporate bond prediction because both are linked by the, yeah, the issuing entity of the corporate bond. So the difference, to dig a little bit more into the difference between corporate bonds and, and equities, as you say, you're kind of, you've got to look at things in a little bit more of a holistic manner because um, you've got the price and you've got the yield um, and you've got the yield and you're looking at the kind of the yield, um, which is what you're receiving back um, in comparison to the price that you bought it for. Um, and so that is where, that's what you mean by you're looking at the, you're looking at the spread between the two. Is that right? Yes. But I think generally, if you want to compare the equity market to the stock market, you can both look at, uh, simply the, the returns of the stock or the, the bond. So maybe to take a step back, if you look at a, a return of a, of a corporate bond, we have basically three components. And the first one is the risk-free component. And the second one is a duration component. So really interest rate risk. And then the third one is credit risk, which is really the default risk. Mm -hmm. And as Rubico, we, uh, within my team, we try to isolate the credit risk. So we get rid of the risk-free rate and the duration uh, risk by hatching it out. And then we purely focus on this credit risk uh, component. And... Um, yeah, if you only look at this credit risk, which you can also call the excess return, um, uh, then uh, based on this credit risk, you can uh, compute an excess return, and then it's very comparable to a stock return. So um, if you're thinking about applying alternative data to stocks, then it's similar to applying uh, it to corporate bonds because you simply have a return that you uh, try to predict, and the goal is to get higher returns. Okay, so if you're focusing on the credit risk, does that mean that you are skimming along on the surface of the kind of the, the, the junk bonds, essentially, the ones which are most at risk, you know, the ones which may go under or may not, and you're trying to buy the ones which won't and make the money off the fact that that, that, that risk is, um, that, you've, you know, that you've managed that risk, essentially, because you've, you've chosen the ones that didn't go under, and so you, you reap the benefit of, of, of buying that risk. Is that, is, that, is that fair? Is that right? Yeah, yeah you basically explained the whole game. So uh, they, they tend to say, uh, you have to win by not losing. So yeah. 
yeah, so yeah. you try to avoid the losers. But of course, the you're basically you're basically running along the stepping stones with the crocodiles uh, snapping at your heels at all at every at every step at every step. Yeah, something like that. So if if you go too safe, you get no returns, and if you go too risky, yeah, you also get no returns. So it's a there's a like a sweet spot in between where you you're trying to get to. Yeah where you get rich are you would you would you um i mean would you call yourself a junk bond trader um well um let's say uh, uh at Rubico we do both and also within my team we do both so we have like uh specific uh products that aim uh, focus on uh the junk bonds which is are the lower rated uh yeah uh, corporate bonds and you also have higher rated corporate bonds which are still interesting and they, yeah, there, there we have separate funds, but we also have funds where there are combined. So it's like an all grade solution. And this separation is actually very important. It's there not only because it's uh, yeah, nice to split uh, your universe, but also because there's really fundamental differences between investment grade bonds, which are the higher rated and the high yield bonds, which are the lower rated because of all kinds of uh, capital requirements for uh, insurers and pension funds and banks uh, if they invest in lower rated corporate bonds because yeah uh, regulators are afraid of uh, people or banks uh, losing all their money basically yeah but if you're playing if you're playing a kind of credit risk game um, then I would have thought that that would lean it lend itself much more to the lower rated bonds and the higher rated bonds because there's not that there's not so much risk with the higher rated bonds is that isn't that right? Yeah, that's definitely true. So um, uh, the, the investment grade bonds generally have a lot lower or yeah, quite a bit lower returns than the, the high yield bonds. But these high yield bonds, of course, have the higher default rate as well. And so if you invest in such a bond, which has a nice return on paper, because you know the yield it will return uh, until maturity. But then if it defaults the next day, your money is basically gone. Uh, yeah, uh, apart from some recovery. So, which part of the market you're in depends how racy you're feeling at that at that moment. Um, just like just like all bond traders, I suppose. If, if you there's risk on, risk off, like in everything. Um, uh, basically, but you can also within the the, uh, the high yield segments, you can also try to find the best high yield bonds, and that's uh, what we try to do in a quantitative manner. Yeah. And so this, I imagine, may be, um, I think I feel like I'm catching up with you. This may be where the alternative data comes in because um, you could have a very risky bond, which uh, all the normal market indicators are saying could default, but potentially you could find a piece of alternative data which would um, actually say, don't worry, market, there's much more safety in this bond than, than it looks like. And so you could, armed with that alternative data, you could buy the bond knowing that you're, um, that there's much less risk than the market thinks. Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah, so indeed, because, because you have this credit spread, you know the market implied risk premium for this bond. And indeed, if you, based on certain characteristics that you have from your traditional data, you add a couple of alternative data sets and you might indeed find that uh, yeah, the spread should be higher. And if the spread should be higher, you know that it's uh, uh, yeah, overvalued at the moment, but it could also be that the spread should be lower and it's undervalued and then you want to buy it. Yeah. So the spread should be higher so um, the market doesn't quite understand how bad things are at that company, essentially. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, 
so do you have any any examples of the 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 types of data that can be used and the or or real life examples with names names removed perhaps of of the type of um of this of this inaction yeah um so maybe um first so if we go try, uh, talk to uh, data providers or look online and we search for uh, fixed income data sets alter alternative data sets or corporate bond alternative data sets you might only find like uh, pricing data or uh, really uh, about the contracts of the bonds themselves but not really uh, any uh, of these uh, flashy uh, data sets about i don't know uh, 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 customer uh, 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 satisfaction or uh, uh, i don't know uh, uh, job uh, vacancies or all these kinds of data sets, they never come up because these data providers, they think it's only interesting for stock investors, but these mm -hmm. kind of uh, data sets are actually the ones that are also interesting for corporate bonds, because you might imagine that if a uh, company has uh, invested, for example, a lot in uh, research and development, or is going to invest a lot in research and development, that this is a positive prospect to the future if this research and development uh, materializes in great uh, products, for example. Unless, then, unless they've blown all their all their money on research and development when really they should have been, um, you know, keeping it as cash for a rainy day. It could go the other way, I imagine, couldn't it? Oh, this is a good take. So indeed, uh, there could be uh, times where some data in, is a positive indicator for the stock market with a negative indicator for the corporate bond market. Mm. And... Uh, this research could be one. So it could be that they uh, uh, get new, uh, uh, acquire new debt to, you know, uh, basically uh, support this new research and development. And then if uh, they cannot pay their debt, then of course they have to uh, declare bankruptcy. So that's undesirable, both from an equity market and a corporate bond market. Mm. Um, but if it does materialize, then of course the stock will ready a lot, but the corporate bond might... Yeah, they have limited upside because yeah, you can only, uh, uh, if they survive until the end of your uh, contract, you will get the principal back, but not more. And in the stock market, of course, you benefit from uh, all the upside potential. Um, so there are some differences yeah, between the equity market and the corporate bond market. But but the point, the point, the point is taken is that you can, um, so getting insight essentially people say alternative data is meant to be um kind of a seat in the boardroom to an extent you're seeing what the board is seeing perhaps rather than what they've put in a parcel and and, and put out to you you know you're actually seeing through their eyes and and that could be equally useful on the bond side as on the uh, as on the equity side do you have um yeah specific examples of of where data sets have um shown you um have shown you that that kind of that kind of um useful i don't know uh, given you that kind of benefit yeah so maybe uh one interesting approach that we've taken is we've looked at uh, text analysis where we looked at text data mm -hmm. and um we uh try to follow a recently published paper in the journal of finance uh, and see and that apply their work on the equity market to see if it also uh, translated to the corporate bond market. And there the idea was to look at uh, the you know, uh, annual and quarterly reports of companies and use some text analysis uh, 
techniques to extract value from not the financial statements in these reports, but from the actual text. And uh, this is interesting because these reports, they're often like uh, 50 to 100 pages in length and only six pages are with fundamentals. And, incredi and incredibly boring as well. Yes, I have to say I've uh, I've done research on this for a couple uh, quite a long time. I've never been able to read one uh, an entire report, so that might say a lot. Thank God for computers; they can. Yeah, definitely. So we 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 use these computer models to read all these reports. So uh, uh, a whole history of such reports for U.S. companies, and then we actually found that the results from the equity market they also. Uh, translated to the corporate bond market. So in the corporate bond market, we saw that uh, if this indicator that we uh, computed based on text data uh, uh, yeah, was positive in the, for the stock market, then it was also positive for the corporate bond market. And this indicator that we yeah, tried to uh, construct based on the text data, it looked, I think, at a very interesting uh, detail. It's whether there were changes over time in the report, because if there's changes in the report over time, then probably it must have been something very interesting because otherwise you would not have changed uh, yeah, a sentence or a paragraph. So there probably is new information. And what these researchers found in their paper is that if there are changes, then this is probably bad for the stock market. So this is a downside risk indicator. Changes when, sorry, changes in the report, as in it's, it was released on February the 14th, and then, um, you know, a month later, someone has gone back in and changed it? Or, or what do you mean? Uh, these are uh, uh, like the the reports they filed with the SEC, file, uh, SEC and uh, they are uh, on a quarterly basis. So you compare it with the previous quarter or the previous year. So it's... Uh, so a change in message from report to report. Yeah, so maybe to elaborate a bit more, um, if you take, for example, your resume and you uh, have not updated it for uh, three years, then if you want to apply for a new job, you're not going to start from blank. You're basically taking your old resume and you add a few things and maybe you remove a few irrelevant things. And they hypothesize that the same happens in these text reports. So. Companies take their old reports because they're boring, very long. They're not going to rewrite all of that again. So they take their previous report from previous year and they only change the few things that need to be changed. And um, because of these observations, they try to yeah, yeah, extract this. And so, the yeah. more, and so the more changes there are, the, the higher likelihood is that it's bad news. It's, I mean, it, it seems to me that there could be a, a new person working on the report who wants to who wants to make it make a name for themselves or, or you know or, or, or turn over a new leaf but it, but you know clearly this study has has got the got the data to back it up that if there's lots of changes it's 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 more likely to be bad news um than, than good news um so but i'm intrigued you're so you it seems to me where the way you're speaking you're often referring to the equity market and you feel like Alternative data providers are working for the equity market, and 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 um, you know that such and such is a good use case for equity, but less so for for bond. Do you feel like um, you see the equity story first, and then you kind of live off the back of that? Like, do you feel like a kind of echo market a little bit, rather than um, rather than a kind of alongside 
comp almost competing market. You do you mean like uh, as a customer to alter alternative data providers? Possibly, yeah. You yeah, possibly. You've uh, how do you how do you how do you um conceive uh the way the corporate bond market is is in relation to alternative data is it is it the is it the future is it is it a an afterthought um what's the what what do you think yeah i think uh first and foremost in everywhere you look like stock market always has precedent so in the academic literature most studies are, are on the equity market uh if people talk about their investments, they don't talk about their, uh, I don't know, government bond or corporate bond investments. Probably they've never bought a corporate bond anyway. Uh, they always talk about their new uh, stock options or stock, stocks that they, uh, that they bought and did great. And um, I think we see the same here. So with academic literature, it's picking up actually. So in the last couple of years, we've seen lots of more uh, research happening. And this, of course, also... Uh, yeah, starts off a kind of uh, uh, yeah a pathway to also getting more attention to the corporate bond market and also attracting more uh, data providers to offer uh, data sets that are interesting to the corporate bond market. And also, um, most investments in the corporate bond market are still of a fundamental nature. And of course, fundamental parties can also use alternative data uh, the same as quant funds do. But I think with quant funds, it's... Yeah, easier to integrate and also uh, uh, we might need it more because we do not have this fundamental view of a company uh, that an analyst can uh, can give. So it's definitely uh, under, uh, yeah, it doesn't get the attention maybe it deserves, but I, I definitely believe that it will grow uh, over time. Also because there are lo is lots of overlap, but it's just not really picked up by many of these data providers. Yeah, it seems like a it seems like a no brainer. You are uh, trading of your your kind of focusing in your in your corporate bond market and your in your often low rated um, uh, corporate bonds. How many of your how much of your competition do you think is using alternative data in their in their trades? Yeah, so uh, again, maybe to uh, come back to a comment I I just made is that lots of people, uh, funds in the corporate bond market are still of a fundamental nature, actually. If we talk to uh, yeah, potential clients or prospects, um, we also always have to, or sometimes have to um, convince them that a quant way in fixed income is like a great idea because of all the benefits it has, similar as in the equity market. Um, so whereas in the equity market, it's really seen as its own like uh, asset class or investment type almost in the corporate bond market, that's still, uh, uh, like so coming. that's the quant, the quant strategy, uh, the the kind of systematic approach. You think is not is it like is not as familiar on the on the bond side as it is on the um on on the equity side. Yeah, I think there have been a couple of like articles on these large uh, publishers' websites that the next uh, big thing will be quant in uh, fixed income. Uh, I I believe in this uh, future, but we'll see. Yeah. What's caused it? What's 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 been the holdup? Um, so I think a couple of things, uh, um, so corporate bond markets are less easy to trade than, uh, than stocks, for example, they, uh, still go over the counter in many cases, uh, whereas equities you can easily buy also corporate bonds have lower liquidity, but they of course also have lower return. 
so I think it's just uh, yeah, really a different focus uh, uh, of uh, investors and uh, uh, everybody, basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so getting back on the alternative data, uh, earlier you said that alternative data providers aren't necessarily thinking of the bond market when they're when they're selling their alternative data. They're they're, they're immediately thinking of equities. Are you thinking because the equities market is bigger um, that that's why they would be thinking that? But the corporate bond market is is kind of just as caught up, um, but they're just they're just fewer practitioners, and so they don't they don't get so much attention. Yes, and there are also a couple of hurdles that are more difficult like with practical uh, things like how do you link uh, data, alternative data to a corporate bond for example there's quite some detail there technical detail there that's dif different from doing it for stocks so i think um when these parties come up with a data set they first look at the, yeah, the stocks because they're e also easier to link so it's just more practical uh, mm. and of course there's lots of attention for these products so uh yeah makes a lot you, of sense you mentioned previously data specifically around bonds itself and corporate bonds itself would you say that uh, would you say uh, uh, kind of beyond that would you say there are any alternative data types which are actually better suited to corporate bond investment than equities investment definitely there are some specific uh, data sets that are more uh, geared towards the corporate bonds for example also, uh, more traditional data sets, uh, but that uh, not all that are not e easy to get your hands on. For example, like default data, actual default data. This is not really alternative data, but it's uh, sometimes hard to get uh, actually, uh, like the actual default data. But also um, with a corporate bond, uh, if you uh, if a company issues a corporate bond, they also have this, which is called a bond indenture which kind of states the maturity of the bond, so how long it will run, the yield, and uh, it starts at, and some other uh, important points. But it also contains the, the reason why they want to uh, issue this particular bond. So for example, yeah, that information similar with the annual reports you could uh, view. Um, but there is also um, uh, covenants in the corporate bond uh, indentures and there there's kind of restrictions to what a to um yeah uh, basically the practices of the company like not uh, uh, having too many uh, dividend uh, payouts or buybacks or uh, too high leverage these kinds of constraints can be in such a covenant and getting this data is not very easy so there uh, are for example parties that look at this hmm. Okay, uh, where, how do you get it? Do you have to do you have to buy some buy it, or do you have to you know be connected? How do, how does how does one get hold of the data? Uh, I think uh, uh, these bond indentures uh, uh, for in some countries you can find them uh, mm. online, but there's also uh, data sets uh, that that look at parts of these uh, these uh, contracts, for example. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so other, so we've talked a bit about NLP. Are there any other um, 
uh, NLP of of earnings calls and and financial statements and things like that, which is a, which is a very recognised form of alternative data. Um, are there any other main um, alternative data segments that you have found particularly useful in your work? I don't know. I mean, credit card transactions is is one that that obviously is another um, commonly mentioned one. Uh, I don't know if ESG is that coming across your across your. Um, Across your bows at all? Is there are there any other uh, data types which you're finding particularly useful and interesting? Yeah, I think ESG is of course a very important one. I, I want to touch upon that, but yeah, please. Actually, no, I, uh, ESG deserves a, a a question all of its own. So yeah, t- please let's talk about ESG. How how are you using ESG, and how do you how how are you finding it important? Yeah, so. Um... Of course, uh, with a with a corporate bond, it's uh, you take a, a a loan from a company, and uh, you have this maturity uh, principle. So you take a you take this bond for maybe five years, maybe ten years, maybe up to fifty years. And of course, uh, given the rapid developments of climate change and uh, and um, yeah, uh, heating up of uh, of the planet, uh, it could be. Uh, that there, uh, uh, that that you don't want, for example, to take uh, uh, an investment in a bond for a very long maturity, uh, if you see that there are some climate uh, concerns. Um, it could be for specific companies, but it could also be potentially for entire uh, sectors or uh, companies with similar business activities. Um, but also simply, uh, yeah, already investing in uh, only the greener segments of the market where you can try to exclude parts of the universe or try to uh, yeah, steer towards the better performing uh, uh, yeah, companies or bonds. And I think one important or nice thing that I would like to highlight in the corporate bond market is that there are also um, bonds that are specifically uh, geared towards uh, sustainable uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, projects within a company. So these are, for example, called green bonds. So it could be that a com- oil company has a uh, yeah, pro- project going on to uh, become more sustainable. And then if they want to uh, finance such a project, or uh, then they can uh, issue a green bond. And then uh, there are some further requirements where it's really uh, made sure that all the investments are actually used to make the company more sustainable and to uh, do not dis- detract from maybe uh, yeah sustainability goals. Uh, so I think that's an additional uh, yeah, dimension that there is in the corporate bond market that you don't have in the, the equity market, for example. That's, a, that's an additional dimension, which is kind of in the structure of how this company has chosen to, to raise money. Um, how do you, would you also, so that, that for you as an investor, that's a very nice signifier that you're buying something which is going towards, towards greenness. So that's kind of in your, in your investment choice. Would you also be looking for some kind of external additional alternative source of ESG data on that company to kind of see if they're actually walking the walk or if this is all for show or anything like that? Would you be looking for there's lots of ESG data kind of increasingly on the market. Would you be, do you, are you, are you approaching that as well? And, and I, and getting hold of that. And is that, is that playing into your investment process? Um, yeah. So I think there are, uh, of course, nowadays with all kinds of all the new regulations being introduced, you have to, uh, 
um, um, yeah. Educate yourself in, in, in more. Yeah. Data. So it's important how to deal with this sustainability data and which sustainability data to follow and which, and how to interpret it. And I think we, we look at it from a couple of different directions and one is where you can say, okay, we indeed use maybe carbon emissions or, uh, uh, ESG, uh, ratings or other kinds of sustainability scores to, uh, create a subset of the universe of the corporate bond universe that is, uh, yeah, uh, not, uh, very negative and then invest in those, uh, bonds, but you could also indeed, yeah, uh, uh, give a, a preference for bonds that score highly on uh, sustainability rankings, for example, low carbon or high uh, food ESG uh, ratings. Yeah. So that's very similar to in the equity market as well. Yeah. Um, do you know uh, how, are you familiar with the process of how Rubico gets hold of alternative data sets? Is there, is there some central data function which is liaising with the alternative data providers out there and then it comes into some kind of central um, area and then all the different teams within Rubico um, will, will access it or, or will you have your own relationship with an alternative data provider and do, the, do your own buying? Do you, know, do you know how that works? Yeah, so uh, to give a bit of insight, uh, I think nowadays it uh, the integration is all very uh, smooth, of course, because yeah, it's all uh, over the cloud, and uh, uh, generally this works uh, very uh, very well. So uh, if you want to try or uh, buy a new data set, then you can get it set it up quite quickly. Um, so that's uh, yeah, makes it easier to test and uh, try out these data sets. But um, uh, yeah, so for uh, it's you cannot really use. I think nowadays with data sets, you really buy a subscription and it's really targeted. So you cannot really provide it to the entire firm uh, without uh, changing maybe the uh, construction of the contract. But uh, so uh, often it's for specific uh, yeah, uh, target areas. And of course, it's not only a true uh, buying, it's always a decision to buy or build it yourself. So in some cases, that's very hard to get uh, some of this data available, but for, for others, it's, it would, for example, be possible to do something yourself if, uh, yeah, if that is beneficial in some way or not. Do you have a feel for how much is, uh, do it yourself versus how much is bought in? Uh, I, I think with this trade-off, it's also really, uh, about if you buy something, it's a bit off the, off the, off the plate and it's really, um, less customizable less customizable. So uh, if you build yourself, it takes a lot of more time and effort, but it allows you to create some new, uh, yeah, do some new creative things with it, which might end up with giving you even more uh, alpha, especially also yeah, because these data sets are geared towards the equity market. Uh, it could be that they maybe oversee some detail that is important to us, but that's uh, not really uh, covered by the data set that we can buy. How do you see this market developing? Do you foresee a more corporate bond friendly environment for uh, alternative data um, in terms of the, the alternative data providers and, and, and the world in general will, will wake up? The more people like you do podcasts like this, <laughs> the more people will wake up to the opportunities by the corporate bond market and perhaps they'll stop 
overlooking those details and perhaps do you do you foresee corporate bond focused alternative data emerging like that as a segment um yes so uh, to answer your question i think yes i think uh, it's a trend that's been setting in uh, slowly but will uh, definitely continue uh, and um yeah with these uh, corporate bond specific data sets i think uh, yeah yeah that it's uh, will will definitely uh, uh, improve because there there is demand i think and uh, there there is also some interesting data that's specific to corporate bonds that might not be covered uh, too well uh, currently so the life is only going to get easier for you hopefully yeah or uh, more difficult because if there's if there's more choice you uh, you have to make a decision between uh, the and, the, and the trouble is, you know, you're you're kind of you're near the leading edge of whatever's going on. So um, so there'll there'll be something new and complicated which will have arrived. So you'll be you'll be focusing on that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, Robert Yan, I think um, I think that's 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 really interesting. I think that's that's all the questions I had. Was there anything which we missed that you'd like you'd like for us to talk about? Um, maybe maybe one point that yeah. I want to raise regarding alternative data is that um, it's of course very hard to assess whether uh, the findings the, your findings based on maybe return prediction are really uh, uh, correct or that they're just uh, by pure luck because of trying all these different kind of data sets on often shorter uh, time horizons and uh, smaller cross sections than maybe with the traditional uh, data set. Mm. So um, what we like to do is both look at the equity market and at the corporate bond market and use it as a kind of out of sample, kind of out of sample test to see if something that works in the equity market also works in the corporate bond market because they're both linked by a, by a kind of the same uh, issuing Company. firm. And if yeah. something works in the equity market, it doesn't show any relation at all in the corporate bond market, then you might ask yourself if it was really a uh, true uh, effect that you saw or it was just some spurious uh, result. So I think yeah, that's also another use case of looking at another an alternative uh, asset class. Yeah, that is nice. Do you think um, potentially your awareness of the equity market may not be mirrored by the equity team's uh, relationship, uh, uh, awareness of the corporate bond market? So potentially you've got an edge that you can do that in their direction, but they may not immediately be able to do it in your direction type thing. Um, yes, there definitely might be these kind of like spillovers between the, the markets uh, where you might have an edge over one uh, versus the other, because yeah. I think there are these ratings that we talked about in the corporate bond market. And I think in the equity market, they don't look at this too much, but of course, yeah, these ratings are a company rating, uh, uh, also a company rating. Do you think they should, in general? They could, uh, at least. Yeah. Do you think uh, if you were a, so as a corporate bond investor, are you looking at the equities investors saying there's a lot of uh, really um, useful information around you know what 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 all these um, credit rating firms are saying about this company, which equity and uh, equity uh, investors are just not not making full use of. Um, yeah, partly. So these credit rating agencies, they, yeah, it's also known that they, they do not update their, uh, scores, uh, high frequent, high frequently, of course. So maybe looking at the corporate bond market themselves and the credit spreads or the, uh, uh, 
uh, is more even more interesting because it's market price risk, right? Yes, brilliant. Okay, Robbie Ann. Well, I think that is uh, that's 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 excellent. A really um, really interesting for me, um, having not encountered anyone using alternative data in the in the corporate bond market before. So um, so very interesting. Thanks so much for for coming to join today, and um, and best of luck in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great pleasure.